What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushnow, and today we will be previewing the Minnesota United match. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cappy's Subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappyssubsfl.com, all one word. And Adam, where are they located? 501 North Orlando Avenue in Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure it's not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review as we will be reading them out on the podcast. And with that, Daniel, how are you doing tonight? Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing just dandy. Chase? I'm doing good. And Adam? Awful. Just awful, you know. <laughs> Wasn't today your day off work? Yeah. Right. Is that I'm why fine. it was awful? I, I'm fine. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear. Um. All right. Let's get started and... Adam, I think it's your turn to go first. I don't know. Um, we'll start with you, Adam. Yeah, we'll go with you, Adam. I didn't um, know we track. <laughs> us and Minnesota play a very similar formation in the 4-2-3-1. But we play a little bit different style. So you mm-hmm. do you kind of want to go over how each style is similar and different? Yeah, it's... Uh, so they're both protagonist-minded teams. And that neither neither team necessarily wants to just sit back and let the game come to them. Though I I think Pereja's mentality is a little bit more of of shaping the way they play around the game, not necessarily not do, imposing yourself. But if a team wants to like have a bunch of possession and come at them, the Pereja is kind of fine just to kind of press them and and create counter situations rather than. Inchies four two three one. He always wants to be having lots of ball movement, lots of possession, getting forward quickly, and he also wants to to go quick on the counter. And uh, that's been really where Minnesota has has um, really hurt teams in this tournament is is from dead ball situations and from the counter because they have a lot of moving parts. They have a lot of very skilled players, and so they're going to look to hurt you in those high leverage situations where I think Preha's uh scheme and tactics are more of trying to make the entire game suit his team yeah uh similar formation different styles i think you summed it up really nicely there um and the way they seem to attack when they have the ball which doesn't seem to be often i mean we saw against san jose they countered with great effect similar uh play style to against um columbus and i think they're going to kind of do the same thing because we are a team that likes to have possession um and so I don't see them wanting to possess the ball. I see them wanting to counterattack, something that they have been successful with so far this tournament. But when they do have the ball, they seem to attack with um, their right back, Dotson or Metanier, whoever's in. And I think there's going to be space in behind uh, their right back, uh, kind of similar to how we push uh, Juan up. Uh, they kind of do the same thing. And it's very similar to how um, Montreal actually set up, where they... They push their right back further up as well. So yes, but Dotson is also really good, similar to how uh, Juan is really good at tracking back. So that's not necessarily an attackable weakness 
kind of like Huan's not an attackable weakness, in my opinion. I think we do a very good job of covering Huan, though. And I know Huan gets back, but like when Huan goes forward, one of our midfielders goes and covers that area. Well, yeah, that's what they have Ozzy Alonso for. Yeah, true. But I, I think there will be s- some space in behind. So, Daniel, I was going to go to you and ask how important Nani will be uh, in um, identifying when that space is there and, you know, attacking it. Well, the key to the game for me is um, I was going to touch on that right back. Actually, I did get a chance to watch the game this afternoon. And um, I observed, like he said, the right back uh, Dotson gets forward. Uh, Finlay, if you remember, he um, he's quite a a good little player. He, I think he actually scored against Orlando a couple of years ago at Orlando Stadium as well, um, off a counter-attacking goal. Uh, but that right hand side is extremely important. And one thing I did notice is that Grigas was the player that tended to to get into that right hand channel and cover that side of the field. Now. For Nani, that almost means to me that he's going to be kind of two versus one. So we touched on the last game, uh, Nani's decision-making, maybe bringing others into play. I think that's going to be absolutely crucial for this particular game. And Moutinho is going to have to get up that side to give him some support. And whoever's our playmaker, which presumably is going to be Pereira, he's probably going to have to move across there as well and uh, offer another another outlet for, for Nani to hit. So... Uh, Nani is certainly key, but he's going to have to. Um, I think he's going to be he's going to be marked two to one very early, and he's going to need to to not just do something with the ball, but he's going to need to hold it up as well. Yeah, Nani's going to have to have a big game, and we yeah. talked about it last podcast. Nani kind of had to have a big game against LAFC, and although in the end he did get the assist, he did get the game winning penalty. He was poor. And and all of our opinions except Chase, but um, yeah. So I, I think he has to have a big game again. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's got the potential to to give that that key assist and to get and to get the goal. But it's going to be a tough game. I mean, he's you know he's he's gotten a lot of plaudits through the tournament, which he deserves. But with those plaudits comes uh, extra attention. But that could benefit us if we um. You know, if we can get a spare man into the into the penalty area and somebody getting further forward, you know, we could actually benefit from that as well. So it, it kind of depends on the on the team selection that we pick, whether we can get the best out of Nani or not. But if Mueller's not 100% fit, it might be worth putting in somebody like Benji Michel uh, for this game and, um, and trying to take advantage of the, you know, the numerical advantage I think we're going to get in the, in the rest of the final third. Yeah, actually, I had a question on that, so we can just go about it, go and and do it now. Uh, Chase, how important would it be? I know we kind of talked about it last episode as well, but let's say Mueller is out of the game. How do you want to see us uh, deal with that situation? Um, Well, A, you know, I know this isn't the question, but Chris Mueller looks like maybe he might be in the match day squad, but that's yet to be seen. So, uh, you know, depth is an issue that that we, we kind of saw last game, even though we kind of scored late, we kind of realized that uh, the players that we were bringing on were, were young guys uh, still kind of in the in the early parts of his career who are capable of great things but aren't necessarily uh, at that level to be consistent performers yet. Um, and I think that the obvious player to kind of slot right in there would, would maybe be Benji Michel because Robinho, from what little we've seen, hasn't really been very good and we haven't seen him at all this tournament. And he's maybe the only other player that is 
like a predominant winger that we could sub on because Benji probably uh, is a bit more of a striker. But um, I don't know. I, I've thought about the idea of having like, well, well another player who's kind of questionable uh, with, with his injury history right now, Junior Urso, like maybe having him slot into the midfield and having Porrero be out wide, but that kind of leaves us without uh, an adept winger. So, um, or, or without a pure winger that can kind of create a lot and, and cause chances, uh, you know, just by taking on a man. Um, so I, I probably would just go with Benji and maybe give him some level of instruction to play like an inside forward, even a bit more than Chris plays, like the ability to get in and then having Juan play out wide and, and, you know, play just kind of as a, as a, as a standard winger, as a a hundred percent winger, you know, not really cutting in too much and just, just hugging the byline and getting up and down the field. But, um, yeah, that's what I would do. But, you know, I really hope that we do have Chris for this game because he certainly, whether he scored or not, been a huge factor in, in a majority of our games, I feel like. We could also play through at the back. Because we've yeah, seen Perez willing to do that. I, we got Schlegel, Janssen, Carlos, and then push the, the what would be the wingbacks up wide, up high for the width. Yeah, he, he could prove me wrong. And I, I think that that works quite well because – um, we have two very good attacking fullbacks, but I don't know, uh, especially in like a cup competition, it's it's always risky to like go away from the, the system that you've been using all throughout the tournament and then try something new. But it definitely could work. We definitely have the players for it. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Now, one thing that I, I honestly don't think I would be that averse to Pereira being on the right-hand side because... This in a similar way that Montreal, like I said, push their right back up. They also keep their left back back. And so Juan can have that space to run into and can do one twos with Pereira. And Pereira doesn't really have to worry about getting overloaded on that side. So he doesn't have to necessarily be like a, a defensive up and down winger. He could be on that inside forward role. And then we could flood the midfield with Urso Mendez and um, or, uh, Yuri. Do we do we know if if Junior's going to be back like that? That that's kind of what I've heard that he was like Chris was was training. I haven't really heard much about Junior. Like like what's kind From of his status at the, the moment? The pictures we saw, he was doing like some pretty heavy duty workouts. And, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, I think Pereja mentioned to uh, Julia Poe that uh, they had a full team right now. So uh, I think we could see both of them even in the starting lineup. Hmm, that's a possibility, but I did actually want to talk about their left back situation because kind of similar, and again, back to Montreal, similar to how their left back stays back. Um, what we saw in that game is Juan and Mueller absolutely destroyed their left back. I, I can't remember his name, but the one twos that they were doing, Juan was getting in behind time and time and time again. And that was because they never really had any support from their left winger, who I believe was Romeo Kyoto on the day. Very similarly, their left back stays back, and the attacking player on that side in the last game was uh, Laud, uh, who scored a couple goals for them this tournament. Um, but he doesn't track back on defense as much either. So I think we could see an overload on that right-hand side again. So, uh, Adam, do you think that's a, something that we can exploit? Absolutely, that's something we can exploit. I mean, we, we saw it a ton when Inchi was our coach, uh, that we got killed on the counter. Uh, particularly because so the the inchy system you, you want inchy ball as gavin calls it 
you, you leave your attackers up so you can get that quick break once you get possession back and, and, uh, and you can get that quick counter. And that's what Minnesota does to create a lot of offense. And it, it's very effective at creating offense, which kind of plays right into our hand because we don't allow a lot of counters. And so, uh, and so it leaves that space in behind, particularly leaving the fullbacks vulnerable that because they're not going to have those wingers tracking back to help that if you have a strong wide team like we do, and I I really hope that Chris is healthy for this game because our our strongest attack points are going to be in wide areas. If you have a strong wide team like Orlando city uh, that prefers to play up the wings instead of through the middle, a lot of the time, then you're going to be able to take advantage of that space a lot because that's just, how they play and that space is pretty much always going to be there so i think that preha will definitely see that and absolutely key on it because he's just that kind of coach that will do that now uh i was reading a little a piece from uh, matt doyle today and i know matt doyle is matt doyle but he actually came up with a pretty a pretty solid quote here that i'm going to read and he says as well as the lions have played and as prolific as nani's been as a setup man They've still not really found their range in front of the net. If you leave goals on the table in a knockout game, you're probably going to have a really bad time. Daniel, how nervous are you that our attack is not going to be firing on all cylinders yet again? Well, he's not wrong, is he? Um, you know, an he's, honest he's person. He's spot on. No, he's totally correct. I know that. I know that some supporters get a little bit touchy when people like to, you know put facts out there, but the truth of the matter is we're not at that potent, and the last game, I mean, great performance and result, obviously, but also, you owe that down to the goalkeeper and, and the centre-backs, you know, because they, they were well worked. If we didn't have that quality back there, we probably would have lost that game. So, we have to stick our chances away. Um, I don't see an obvious goal score. I mean, I think I still think Tasha Akindeli is, is always good for, for a goal, but can he really get more than one? I, d- I don't remember him scoring more than once in a game too often, if at all. And uh, none, you know, Mueller, if he's out, then that's, that's obviously another goal threat gone. And as we discussed, Nani is going to be double marked. So, you know, it's we're going to have to be clinical. We're going to have to be um, careful and, and clinical and efficient. You know, we're going to have to play like a little bit like a a German team, you would think we were a bit more discipline and, and efficiency to get through this type of game because from what I saw with Minnesota on the game replay, they could they could have scored at will at times. So we have to be very, very careful, otherwise the game will slip away. That's that's the that's the thing that worries me is yeah. Minnesota seemed to have a knack for just finding the, the back of the net no matter what. And we seem to have a knack of getting in great positions and then not finding the back of the net no matter what and so as much as this game is you know you could call us the favorites and and we've we've been a, a very good team throughout this tournament i don't know i am just nervous like i chase do you feel like this game against minnesota or lafc like which one do we match up better against because for me it's it's lafc funnily enough even though they're the, they're the best team in the league yeah, I mean, LAFC, we, we certainly weren't, um, you know, it, it wasn't a terrible matchup because they like to press, but we're a team that's able to break through the press. And we also do well with um, extremely potent attacks, you know, like we didn't allow a shot uh, in the in the entire first half of that game. And, and uh, 
Minnesota is also they're they don't have a similar playing style, but in terms of their kind of attacking potency, they're not really too dissimilar to LAFC. Actually, um, I have like a couple of stats where like Minnesota uh, of the four teams remaining, and these also include the two games uh, that we had before you know the season got put to a halt. But they have scored the most goals of of all four teams that are left in this competition, and and they've scored sixteen. We've only scored nine, and and the next uh, you know the second highest scoring team is Portland with twelve. And um, it's it's not it's also not like they're getting kind of unlucky. Like it, even if you look at XG, they're still like the most dangerous team here. And uh, I I think that we can match up against both of these teams well. Like I said, just because we we have a back line that is pretty competent now, and, and even you know Yuri likes to drop deep a little bit. He doesn't necessarily put in a lot of tackles, but he's in good positions and things like that. Um, so both of these attacks are. Um, they can be dangerous. Uh, I, I would say that we still probably would match up better against Minnesota because in these past couple games, um, they've actually, uh, in this tournament especially, they've seceded possession to their opponent an awful lot. Like there have been a few games where they've had less than like 40% possession. They've had like anywhere between like 38 to 33. And I think that's going to bode well for us because when we have more of the ball, you know, we have actually created uh, the least amount of, of goal scoring chances of teams left. But when we do create chances, they are typically pretty uh they're they're a they're from like our own quality of play like we're able to get them from the run of play and build them up and not just kind of get a little chaos in front of goal and we also tend to create like pretty decent like high scoring opportunities now we haven't really been able to take them but you know the more we see of the ball i think the better we are going to be able to to play against any team in, in minnesota you know they create a lot of chances and, and not a lot of possession but the more possession we have i think that certainly kind of plays into our hands because we'll be able to to continue with this quality of play that we have before or we have so far this season and uh you know hopefully make them pay but it, it's still an issue that's that's popped its head up like we just haven't been able to take our chances at you know nearly the the rate of other teams yeah and and one area where i think we can actually get at them is their center back pairing um aha we all know about him we all know about him he's just not that great of a defender um and Boxall, I mean, Boxall is the better of the two, in my opinion. He's just an, an average defender. He's he's no Robin Janssen, in my opinion. So, so Adam, what do you think of their defensive pairing, and um, how can we how can we attack them? Well, it's not great, and we attack them by putting them under pressure. There's a little bit of a tangent, but does anyone think that Heath is telling on himself a little bit with all this underdog talk, and no one believes in us? Do you think that because he has several significant players out, including Kevin Molina, who's their biggest offensive threat normally, um, because he has several players out that fit more of the the way he likes to play? Because we know that he doesn't want his teams to have this much of a lack of possession. He likes to be kicking the ball around uh, around the the eighteen yard box and and kind of poking and prodding and then having those lightning fast attacks in but he wants to be more in control of the game than just relying on creating encounters and so do you think he's telling on himself a little bit with a lack of confidence i know he's played that song and dance his entire coaching career of no one believes in us and we're hard done and 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 we're gonna get be the scrappy underdogs and win the day but i think he at, at this point he might kind of not believe in his squad as much as he should, but just because they're not playing the way he wants them to. And so because we're going to have 
more of the ball, more of that possession. Uh, we're going to be able to to put all four of those defenders. Dotson's the only stud there. Uh, so we're going to be able to put the other three defenders who are not uh, average to not great, in my opinion, under a lot of pressure with the, our, our continual basically doing what Heath wants it, wants to do. But because we have the midfield to, to sustain it and the attackers to sustain it, obviously um, Urso and, and Mueller pending, well, uh, Mendez can fill in fine there. We have the players to sustain that pressure. I think we'll we will uh, this 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 game plays really well into our hands, in my opinion. It, it just, there, there's so much opportunity there, and so many places where just Pereja's scheme just matches up really well with Heath's scheme and and the players that he has available. That it 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 should work. You know what I'm saying? It should work. On your question about whether Heath is telling on himself, I think of it in two different ways. I think of it as it could be used as an excuse for when when we do finally win. (laughs) Um, You know, oh, you know, we've had injuries and and we're always seen as the underdogs anyway, blah, blah, blah. But it's also just it's a tactic that some coaches use to to great effect. to like mentally influence their players to play above how they're playing. Um, and, you know, he has a stacked squad, in my opinion. Uh, they've got young Greg Ushizu, who is a very great, good player. Robin Laud is coming into his potential. Um, they've got talent like Ja'Cory Hayes. they got Chacon there. Um, they've got a strong squad player in Raheem Edwards. I'm, I'm looking at the squad now. Ethan Finley. They've got Kevin Molino, obviously. They've got a striker in Amaria. Um, Mason Toye, who can contribute, and then they've got Ico Para, and and just they've got a solid squad overall. Their worst players, in my opinion, are, are their defenders. So he's sitting there telling them, "Hey, nobody believes in you guys. Nobody believes in us at all. So let's make them believe." And now that people are believing, he's saying, "Nobody believes in you guys. Nobody believes in you guys. I swear, nobody believes in you guys." But they can all see that. People are starting to believe in them. So I, I just think that it's an excuse, but it's he's trying to to keep the run going, trying to keep the the chip on their shoulder, even though it's kind of falling away. Yeah, I think uh, I don't see anything wrong with uh, with what he's doing. I mean, there's a lot of uh, back and forth with Orlando fans in the last few days. Um, the one thing that kind of struck me with the conversation is that when Orlando fans were busy trolling Atlanta last year when Orlando was not doing anything productive, First thing they would come back to is built not bought, built not bought. We won all these cups in USL 2014. Okay, fair enough. But now they're turning around and, and trying to hit on Heath a little bit. And it's like a weird little psychology. I, I described it to somebody as, you know, it's like having a, an ex, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And they go out and they're still bitter about the breakup. So they pretend to hit on whoever it is while they go with the nice new thing, which is what Orlando fans have in Oscar Pereira. I just think it's all a bit senseless. I mean, if that's what Heath wants to do to motivate his team and, and put the underdog line out there, then let him do it. Because, uh, for one, I can understand him a little more. I, you know, I come from a fairly similar area to him, fairly similar type of upbringing. And, you know, it's probably a little bit of insecurity in there. But, you know, insecure people tend to try harder. They tend to try certain things more, peddling the underdog line, peddling the world against us line. 
And you know what? It's worked for him. He's he's done pretty well, and he does have a stacked squad, but he's built that over four seasons uh, with resources that he did not get in Orlando. So I've never understood this uh, this bitterness towards Adrian Heath that I've been seeing. And quite honestly, I think it's petty. You know, it's we've had six, seven games with a new coach, and all of a sudden, everything that you've you know you've got in your history, your so-called history that you keep defending has been, um, you know, it's kind of been discarded. The, the guy that was there to build it, he's kind of like, he doesn't matter anymore. And I find it very, very disappointing to read and, and to hear, but I don't blame him for feeling the way he does. And, you know, he's going to have his players up for it. They've performed extremely well. So we have to be on the watch out for this underdog. It's not a given win for Orlando. And we have to, you know, be smart, play smart. If I'm not mistaken, have we ever beaten minnesota united no they have like he always has he always has them up for the game against us the way some people have been speaking they're speaking in terminology like oh when we beat minnesota who do you want in the final oh minnesota is the easier game that we want this is the one we wanted out of the two yes but it's not an easy game no it's not but the way some people are thinking you'd think that orlando city or real madrid and that they have to put the reserves out to win the game and it's um yeah, that's complacency right there, and that's exactly where an Adrian Heath team will surprise people. You know, he, he had a good first season finish with Orlando um, in in twenty twenty fifteen, and you know he got that by by punching people in the nose when they least expected it, and playing swashbuckling football. And yeah, he conceded goals, but you know what? How often have we had a potent attack uh, with uh, Kaká, Molina, Larin, and Adrian Winter? We we haven't, so. It's good to take credit off someone when you feel like it. And I won't name particular people that are doing it, but if you read the group chat, you'll know exactly who it is. Um, but, yeah, we give him credit for what he did have. I mean, he's he's he managed to do things with Orlando that have not yet been replicated, at least not to that particular fluency. So he'll punch Orlando right in the nose if they're complacent. And if they take the complacency that some of the fans are, then um, it's not going to be a good night for Orlando City. Yeah, uh, I think Tesho Akindele, uh, uh, the club put out uh, his press conference today, and he said that the team is confident but not arrogant, and I think that's exactly what we have to be. And I, and I don't think that's just peddling to the media, you know, no. just, just saying what we want to hear. I, I do believe that's actually the, what we are. So I think I'm really glad that the, the team uh, has the right mentality. I agree. I think what we've seen in this tournament, these players have been as switched on and as focused as I've ever seen them, at least for the last three years. You know, I mean, it's um, they've been very disciplined, very professional. They look like they know what they're doing, like as far as the system goes and the instructions they have. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that on their off days, they're training hard and they're playing in the pool and, you know, spending time together and hopefully just staying off the social media and not getting caught in the in the crossfire between the... Um, you know, the Orlando fans fighting about Adrian Heath, you know, and hopefully they just don't believe their own press and they just focus on the next game. That's all you can ask them to do. Yep. All right. Let's get um, into our keys to the match. So, Chase, I'm going to start with you. It's, Tyler Miller is a goalkeeper who hasn't really come up against much much of a challenge. Uh, a lot of the teams that they face, you know, SKC, Columbus were decent, but Columbus kind of had a, had an off game. Uh, and, and, and it went to pens and, and he put them through, so so it was fine. But uh, whenever I've watched him, I've always thought that he's kind of been a player that uh, 
like I, I've questioned his positioning before. Like, like he often gets beaten in his near post, and any goalkeeper will tell you that, you know, that's that's something that they they hate more than anything. And uh, he he's an he's an okay goalkeeper, but I definitely think that if if we test him a bit more, um, he has the ability to make errors. And and Minnesota, you know, they do have a stacked team, but you know, Molino hasn't been playing the past couple games. Metzner hasn't been playing the past couple games, and and Opara has been out as well. And they have decent players, other than that. But um, you know, I I think that they're largely also kind of running on form, and, and that that can go for for Tyler Miller as well. So. Uh, I think that if we go at them and if, if we're as directives we ha- we have been and we've actually put the ball on frame, um, I think that he has the ability to to make some errors and and we have the ability as a team to kind of uh, a get past that back line and kind of leave him isolated and, and force him to come up with big saves and uh, I don't know I've questioned even as time with LAFC uh, his ability to 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 do that so um, really my keys to the game is is to just put the ball on frame and like. I know that that sounds kind of simple, but that's been an issue with us uh, at times where, you know, we've been in good positions to score, but the players just just couldn't even bother to trouble the goalkeeper. And uh, if we can do that here, Tyler Miller, to me, is the type of player that uh, he's capable of an error and he's equally kind of not as capable to uh, quality saves. Like, like oftentimes when he'll get his hand to the ball, it'll still be put into a good position for another player to follow up and put the ball away. So we just... We, we have to trouble any goalkeeper, but, but this goalkeeper in particular, because, uh, you know, I question his ability to handle it. Now, Tyler Miller, I, I find your point interesting because Tyler Miller did save a penalty in the, the run of play as well. And I think it was around the 80th minute against Yossi Zardes. Yeah, but, but like with that, he got his hand to it, but the ball fell right back to Zardes and Zardes was able to put it away. Oh, did, did Zardes score it? Okay. Yeah, like he didn't okay. score the penalty, but it's kind of like right. what That's Nani's right. done before where the keeper will save it, but it fell right to Zardes. Like he wasn't able to get it cleared, which is equally as important to saving the ball. Um, and he was in a position just to tap it away and, and he put it right away. Yeah, um, and I, I would do I do agree that um, he is just kind of an, an average MLS goalkeeper. Uh, there's a reason LAFC moved him on uh, for Kenneth Vermeer because uh, they thought Vermeer would be the better option. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I guess saving a penalty doesn't make you automatically a great goalkeeper, obviously. But, okay, the, yeah, great point. Uh, Adam, your turn. Key to the match. My key to the match is not letting Minnesota do what they've done so far in the tournament to get this far. So if we can shut that down, then they haven't really shown much creation in the run of play. Well, counters are in the run of play, but they haven't shown much creation you know, from possession. So we can shut down their counters, which we're pretty good at doing uh, by by the way that that Orlando City uh, likes to go about build up. They just don't leave themselves open to counters that much. And if we can um, be strong on set piece defense, which we have been very strong on set piece defense so far, I think part of that is that we just we have a good aerial lineup and a kind of a big lineup like uh Moutinho is good for his size in the air. Janssen and Carlos are both very good in the air. Uh, our midfielders are decent at, you know, just getting in the way. We have some some bigger guy. Uh, Mueller's always going to get his head in. Tesho's decent on set-piece defense. We just have a, a kind of a good lineup for defending those set-pieces, especially against smaller teams. Um, 
Obviously, Minnesota's been fantastic on set pieces and dead balls throughout this tournament, so that's going to be a kind of a big matchup there. But if we can if we can limit them to one or less goals off of those opportunities, I think they'll get very frustrated and not really create much else during the game, after which we only have to score one or two of our own uh, to win the game, which we should be able to do against an Adrian Heath team because his team's especially with the the lack of quality and their current starting defenders, his teams leave openings just with the style of play by sending so so many uh, players forward. So that's my key to the match. We've seen him change his tactics, though. So for like San Jose, um, he he went counterattacky and and um, then went with went very direct. And I think something that we could actually struggle with that nobody else has seemed to do is kind of go long ball and and attack those second balls. So like put the ball on Janssen or Carlos's head, um, make them head it back to them, and then go after and attack those second balls. That's not something we've really seen since maybe Inter Miami, uh, the Inter Miami game, which is the team that we struggled the most with to date. Um, do you think that we could see him change his tactics though? Well, yeah, I, I rate Adrian Heath as a coach. Uh, he's he's not just going to sit there and do nothing, you know. He, he's going to respect the opponent that he has in front of him, and he's going to evaluate the best way to attack us, which might be long balls. I also think that the particularly the midfield has grown in really grown into the system during this tournament. I if we look at the midfield against Miami. In the midfield, uh, in the last few matches, it's the same players, but it, it's a totally different level of cohesion and understanding of, of positioning where to be. I think Rossell would be able to win those second balls a lot better, and and Mendez and Urso uh, do. Uh, uh, they they just understand where to be and where their defensive responsibilities are. That uh, I don't think that long balls would give us too much trouble, honestly, and that they have a lot of. They, they do have players that are skilled on the ball and, um, and and they might want to try long ball, but I think that's also going away from their strength, which is dribbling and 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 going really quick and finding the, those passing lanes and, and getting forward rather than just kind of spray and pray long balls and then run onto that second ball. All right, Daniel. No, the, the key to the match for me is what we discussed earlier, which is just take advantage of that uh, right side channel um, on both sides. I feel as if, again, our, our play will be focused in the left and I believe it will create space in the in the penalty area and on the back post. So if we can get you know, Mueller involved, if he's fully fit, or maybe Benji Michel and get someone actively into that penalty area, as well as... Um, Possibly Junior Rosso if he if he ends up being fit as well, making runs to the edge of the box. I feel like we could get a lot of joy there because they're going to have like three defenders. You would think preoccupied with at least three attackers from us. We can push people further forward and and take advantage of that. You know, I think I think that's that's where we're going to find our our joy in this particular game. So you're saying our left side, their right side, behind yeah, the, their attackers. Correct. Yeah, like um, our our right side is going to be where we're going to. I see. I think we're going to see the the majority of our goal scoring chances because I feel more space will will open up that way. If we if we have Nani on the left, which we've been seeing with Moutinho, and we know their right back commits forward, you're going to see a lot of play focused on that side of the field, and 
just by virtue of that, you're going to see more options open up on the opposite side. So it's a case of just exploiting the space when it becomes available and, and hoping we can we can get some joy on that side of the pitch. So you're calling hopefully like uh, a Moutinho crosses to the back post and Correct. Mueller knocks it in. Yeah, our main form of attack here. Correct. Yeah, like Michelle or Mueller, whichever one ends up. Because I'm pretty sure that if Mueller can't play, I think Benji will. And and then if you could get another midfielder, and I don't think Mendes or Russell would be suited for this, but maybe Junior Oso kind of getting a run to the edge of the box. I think you're going to see options there uh, for scoring the goal. You know, I think that's where the the chance will come from. All right. Um, my key to the match is keeping Luis Amaria quiet. And I know that's an interesting one because uh, he's had a whole quiet MLS's back tournament. He scored his first goal in the tournament last game against uh, San Jose. But he was injured earlier on in the tournament, and this was his first goal since that injury. He had a hot start to the season, scoring two goals in two games, also getting an assist. Um, and now he's just scored. And what do we know as strikers? They go on streaks. Uh, Dom Dwyer goes on streaks. Akindele's even gone on streaks. He scored two goals in a row in this tournament. Um, I, I'm nervous that he, this is this last goal against San Jose is all he needed because he was making wrong decisions left, right, and center. He was taking shots. Uh, I mean, there was at one point in the San Jose game, uh, when I, I believe it was nil-nil. It's early on in the game. Amadea gets the ball. That's a 3v1 opportunity on offense. And instead of and instead of slotting in one of the attackers, it might have been Ethan Finley or or, um, or Laud, um, he takes a shot from like 30 yards out to test the goalkeeper. And it's like, what are you doing? And and that's just the kind of the the kind of dumb decision making that you see in in players who are 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 trying to find a goal. Well, he finally found a goal, and he got kind of lucky because it was horrible goalkeeper goalkeeping from Vega. Uh, it was a near post shot that Vega just like easily could have saved and didn't for some reason. Um, and that's all he really needs. So I think we're going to have to keep him quiet. And I, I'm nervous that we're not going to be able to, that when that chance does come his way, because he will get a chance eventually, um, he's going to put it in the back of the net, unlike uh, other times in this tournament. Chase, what is your prediction for the match? Um, you know, I, we've been playing really well. We've been, been able to neutralize quality attacks, and, and I think we're going to see more of that here. I'm going to go 2-1 to one Orlando. Good man. Uh, Adam? My official prediction is 1-0 Minnesota. Ethan Finley will score the goal. Glad to hear it. <laughs> and Daniel? My prediction is that the, uh, the underdogs are going to give Orlando a bloody nose and win 2-1. Orlando will score first, and Minnesota will fire us. Hmm. Interesting. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think all of us agree with that, even Adam, um, giving his official, not-so-official prediction. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2-0, we score a second late on, though. Like, it's 1-0, and then, and then we kind of kind of do what we did to NYCFC and get that second goal while Minnesota are pushing. Uh, I think we can keep him out. I am, like I said, I am nervous about Luis Amaria and I am nervous on um, set pieces, but uh, I have confidence that Antonio Carlos, who's been very good at set pieces, you know, Robin Janssen and, and our defenders can, can take care of them. I mean, we just held out the best attack in the league uh, to, to zero shots in the first half and only eight total in the game. 
Um, I do have confidence that we can hold Minnesota, but it's not going to be as easy as it sounds. So, uh, yeah, uh, 2-0, we score late on to make it 2. That's going to be it for part one. Uh, We will get to your questions in part two right after this. All right, and we are back for part two where we're going to answer your questions. We only have two today. Um, So the first one is going to come from at PAFCT11. And Chase, I'm going to start this one with you. How conservative in tackling do you think City will be as Minnesota has been very good from dead ball situations? Um, you know, we touched upon it earlier, and, and we're a team that, that does well in the air, wh- whether it's in our, our own half or, you know, our, our defensive half. So I don't really know if that's going to be in the game plan too much personally. I mean, Minnesota have scored uh, quite a lot from the hat or, or from uh, dead balls, even like. Jose Aja, I believe, has gotten a couple assists just by kind of like knockdowns and and players finishing, uh, you know, what he creates uh, in the air. So, um, yeah, they're a decent team um, from dead balls, but uh, I think that we're going to be able to to uh, have confidence in ourselves and and, and not really uh, want to change things up too much. I don't I don't really think that that's going to be too much of an issue for us, and I think that we're just going to kind of trust in our our back line and, and some of our midfielders as well to get the ball clear and then, you know, play out from that. So, uh, you know, nothing more than usual, I suppose. Yeah. One, one interesting thing that I think we've seen throughout this tournament is Moutinho giving away needless fouls around the box. So he's really going to have to stop. I mean, in the LAFC game, you saw him shoulder charge. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but one of their players might've been Rossi. I mean, he absolutely takes them out. Uh, he had a couple of dumb fouls against Inter Miami. Uh, he had a dumb foul against NYCFC as well. I mean, I really don't want to see that from Joao Moutinho uh, going into, what is it, Thursday's game? Yeah, going into Thursday's game. All right, and our second question comes from at Ridner Jonathan. And Adam, I'm going to go to you for this one. Who do we need to look out for against Minnesota? Who are their star players we need to watch for? You know, I don't really think they have a single star player. Uh, the, their their uh, hot performer in this tournament has actually been Asani Dotson, in my opinion, uh, coming up the right side. And also, uh, so against Columbus, he gave Darlington Nagby fits, kind of tr- going inside midfield and, and giving, um, giving him trouble. So he's a player that can be very versatile and can kind of make up for the the otherwise lack of quality in their back line. So I think uh, particularly if we're looking to attack them, then Hassani Dotson's the the guy that we have to take care of. Um, and he's, he's shown that he can be effective as a goal-scoring threat all the way back defending. Um, and their other guy who I would highlight is, is Kevin Molino, but he's, uh, he's injured. Uh, uh, do we know if he might be on the bench for them? He's not going to start, right? He was on the bench last game. He was on the bench, so he, he didn't, might. He didn't feature he, though. I, I kind of like a junior or so. Yeah. Um. If he starts, then that, I mean, he he's a guy that can break a game. Uh, we we have all witnessed it at different points. Uh, obviously, he had injury issues in his time in MLS in the Orlando, but when he was on, he was arguably our best player, including Laren Kaka. Uh, just because Kaka was at the end of career and also had injury, injury issues, but he, he, with the ball at his feet, he's spectacular, uh, and th- that's what can give our defense trouble. So Kevin Molino, other than that, they have they have quality, but they don't really have one the guy. 
if you know what I'm saying. So, actually, really, it's just a team performance, in my opinion. Yeah, real, real fast. So, I think that Ozzy Alonso, he's someone that we haven't really Ozzie talked Alonso about that much too, at yeah. all. Yeah, like he he's still kind of. Uh, typically, he's been seen as maybe a little bit of uh, a, a destroyer, at least when he was with Seattle. But that hasn't really been the case now, particularly because, like you know, like Adam just said there. Maybe their best attacker has been out since the group stage of this tournament, but um, his his defensive numbers have stayed pretty high. He gets a lot of recoveries. His uh, volume of tackles is is still like in and around kind of three, four, maybe five a game all throughout the tournament. But like this previous game against San Jose, which San Jose were pretty poor, um, he actually created like three chances from deep, and and his pass accuracy was. I want to say it was like it was like 95 96 something like that and uh you know if you look at those three chances he created it's not like he was really passing conservatively and just kind of shifting the ball on like he was being pretty dangerous pretty adventurous with his passes and he was still able to hurt San Jose and 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 create chances so he's another player to watch out for as well Is there an yeah. MLS Hall of Fame? No. There's a if, soccer Hall of Fame I believe. If there was Ozzy Alonso would be a lock Hall of Famer. Definitely. Oh yeah, but um, I, he is coming to the end stages of his career, and yeah. I think if Urso's not in, Mendez's little buzzy type of play, Pereira too, just kind of being all over the place. The buzz the tower. <laughs> just, just being all over the place. Them too. I mean, it could really cause him problems having to go left, right, left, right, up, down. I mean, he's he's getting he's getting a lot of minutes in his legs, and he might have to come out 60th minute. Yeah, the thing about older players with quality is that they can still hurt you. It just won't be as often. But they can still have a game where, like, they, they turn back the clock five years and it's like, oh, what happened? Where'd this masterclass come from? It's because they're still really good. They just don't have the legs they used to. So, you know, look out for an Ozzy Alonso masterclass. It might happen. All right. And then, Daniel, do they have, do you think they have any, um, or what are their star players that we need to watch out for? I've mentioned him before, but I think um, Ethan Finley is always going to be dangerous. Um, he's going to give Moutinho some uh, some questions to answer, I think. Uh, so we've got to watch out for him. He, he's not just tricky when he gets out wide, but he, he can do he can perform that task of just getting in the box at the far post and um, and sticking the ball in the net. So we we have to be very very careful for him. He's the type of guy that can sneak by, and get the goal while everybody's worrying about Amarillo and Molino and such. You know, so he's he's a danger man for me. All right, and then the final question, but this one might take a little bit longer, comes from me. Uh, and this is something that has kind of been in the back of my mind uh, for the last couple games, and I think now is an appropriate time to kind of talk about it. Uh, we're going to go round one by one. By one um, our starting lineup plus Junior Urso and, and Don Dwyer, I guess. Uh, and we're going to rate them against the league. So it's going to be top five, top 10, or, or you know, the, the third option would be beyond. Uh, so let's start with Galese. And so what, so what I'm going to do is like, Adam, you get Galese, Chase, you get Juan, et cetera, et cetera. So, so Adam, Galese. Top two. All right. So top five. Uh, <laughs> Andre Blake's the other one. Yeah. Um, Chase, for Juan. Uh, for Juan, I'm probably gonna go top five if he can become a really effective like crosser of the ball and, and you know find find players to score. I think that he could become like top two and maybe he's not even number two. So yeah, he's he's there and 
can very easily get better. All right, you rate him very highly. Uh, yeah, I like that guy. Daniel, uh, you get Antonio Carlos. Uh, top 15, I think. Uh, we have a small sample size right now, and even though he's played well for a few games, it is just a small sample size. Um, you know, but if he keeps his farm up for an extra 10 or 15 games, he could he could muster his way into the top 10, depending on how he and the team do. Uh, but that's where I'd place him right now. All right. I think that's a fair shout. Uh, Adam Janssen. I think top 10. I, I think we've definitely seen him, if it was just based on MLS's back tournament form, top five. But uh, we've we've seen him be a bit inconsistent last year. Uh, and runs of spectacular form and then runs of not so spectacular form. So I can't think of 10 guys that I would rather have than Robin Janssen, but I think that top five is is a little presumptive just as of yet. All right, that's that's fair. And Moutinho, Chase. So Zhao is somewhere for me between like, well, you know, if we're talking on form for this tournament, he's probably been like one of the top five left backs in the league, but I think that's a bit much right now. Uh, he's somewhere in between top 15 and, and maybe he's in the top 10, but, uh, you know, he still needs to kind of keep up this form to, to get in there for me. So that was, that was, uh, actually the first player that popped into my mind before I, I, I thought of the, the entire squad for me, Joao Moutinho is pushing top five. Really? Yeah. He, he's strong in defense and his positioning is lacking. Yes. But We've seen an improvement in that a little bit over the span of this tournament. And if yes, uh, recency bias is there in my opinion, in, in my opinion on him, but he's been very good this tournament. Um, so me, I would say around top 10 for him, um, maybe coming in around eight or seven, but he's definitely moving up the ladder in my opinion. Uh, and you know, this is an injury free spell for him so far last season. Uh, the, the narrative was he's made of glass, but the, uh, the, fitness team have come in and done a really good job with him and, and they've helped him with his lower back issues. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see him kick on, but he is, he was the one player I wanted to talk about out of all of them. Uh, I think his, his stock in terms of top 10 players is, is rising in my opinion. Um, Daniel, you're going to get Urso. You're going to get Urso. He's another one. I mean, I'm, I'll get some eyebrows, but I'll say top 15 again. He's only played like five games, so it looks good. I mean, I'd say even Uh, higher. I mean, we haven't seen enough, like top 25 maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, maybe I'm being generous then, but I think he's got good pedigree. He's certainly got good ability. I've I've been impressed with with what I've seen, although I think he needs time to to get used to the team, which he's, he's not played that many games. So I'll be, I'll be nice. I'll say top 15. And again, same with Antonio Carlos, is that if he gets in the team and puts a good run in, he could, he could escalate, depending on how everybody does. All right, Adam, you get your favorite boy. Try not to be too, too, too fanboyish. Mendez. It's so hard because he's so good and he's so young, but he's not quite there yet, you know? Um... I mean, there are a lot of great midfielders in MLS, probably top 20, like 15 to 20 somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I think he's one of the, I think he's top 10, like defensively, but his, he his, does his uh, job well. 
he does his job extremely well. Offensively, he's not quite there yet. So I could see taking about 15 to 20 guys ahead of him if you just uh, you needed a guy right now, um, especially going forward. But, you know, defensively, he's a he's a motherfucking genius, in my opinion. And it, it it's the part of his game that's pure instinct. And it, it's just it's there internalized in him. And that that's going to be his hallmark going um as he grows in his career. Um, but right now his offensive game is pretty raw. So I would say 15 to 20 ish is where I rate him. I mean, and considering he is in like a double pivot four two three one, if you're looking at players in those positions, I mean, you could make an argument for top 15. Yeah, you could, I, I mean, just rating because him those against, are defensive ish minded players. Yeah. But just rating him against all like central midfield types in the league. It, it's really tough. Cause there are a lot of them and they're, I think right. that's probably the area in the league where the, there's like the strongest collection of talent. Yep. Uh, Chase, you get Yuri Rossell. Ooh, Yuri. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's been really good here. I think he's important. I think that maybe he's been a little bit blown out of proportion in terms of our ability in the team. And there, there aren't like a whole lot of players in the league that has have the type of role that he has. So like trying to compare him to, you know, other defensive midfielders, among the leagues who, who play completely different styles is a bit tough. Um, but if we're just kind of talking about what he does, like being like a, a tidy player that, that can help us get out of the press by shifting the, the phase of play, like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, like admittedly, I, I can't think of, of too many players in the league that have this kind of play style. Like for some reason, one of the only ones popping in my head is like Michael Bradley. And, and I would even take Yuri over Michael Bradley at this point. So um, you know, uh, who, uh, who did Nashville get that really old guy? Uh, oh, Dax McCarty. No, not Dax McCarty. I'm um, thinking that he plays a similar role, not as advanced as Nagby, but he plays a similar role in like facilitating the attack through the, the deep midfield as Nagby. That would be my yeah. comparison and like importance to the flow of play to their team. Yeah. I would rather have Nagby, but yeah, definitely. I, I get what you're saying, and um, I mean, I'm going to say that he might be, just just in his role, he might be like a top 10, maybe top 5 player, and and that's with kind of the acknowledgement that there aren't too many players that play this role in the M- MLS, um, but I, I do think that he's a good player, like that's a, that's kind of like a cop-out, but, you know, I, I can't say too wholeheartedly like, oh, he's top 5 in his role, but he he is a pretty decent player, and, and he's done really well this tournament, you know what I'm saying? I don't know yeah. if that's a bit of a, a bitch answer, but you know. I can't remember the guy I was talking about. I thought he went to one of the newer teams. Maybe not, but um, I'll keep looking for it. Uh, Daniel, Daniel, you're next. You get Pereira. Pereira for me, um, <clears throat> it's certainly top 10 attacking midfielders for sure um, in that central role. He's got a very good pedigree uh, playing in, in Europe and internationally, so I think he's he's, he's certainly a good handle for top 10. I could easily see half of MLS wanting him as a starter if he became available. And he, he just does so much. Like He's got such a good engine, um, good passing wrench. Um, he hasn't quite added goals to his game yet. He's, he obviously got the one in a couple of games ago, but I think if he just added a little more you know, goal threat, I think he'd, he could have, he'd be a top five. And maybe, again, he'll push up into that as the season goes on. But right now, top ten very easily for me. 
uh, Harris Madunyanin was who I was thinking of, Chase. Um, who He's he went to player. FC Cincinnati. Uh, he kind of does a similar role. Um, yeah. Adam, Chris Mueller. That's so tough. You got some of the easy ones, so. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> well, Galeso <laughs> was easy. Yeah. That is not easy. Uh, Chris Mueller. On his day, he could be the best. Uh, if he's off, he could be, you know, he can run himself ragged in, in, in 45 minutes. Uh, you know, 30-ish seems fair, right? There are a lot of wingers. And and I think I think he could make... I think he could get playing time on most teams in MLS. I, I feel comfortable with that. I think he could be one of the two starting wingers on on a fair bit, bit of teams. Um, so, you know, 30-ish sounds right. Uh, y- y'all are going to have to help me with this one. I, he, he, These young emerging players, like, they're going to be studs. Like, we see, like, Chris Mueller is going to be a stud. It, it's happening at this point. It, he's just not there yet. So you, you don't want to overwrite them too quickly right now and uh, and place those unfair expectations. But at the same time, you don't want to, like, not recognize them. So I, th- I think... I think- Overall, he's like an average starter right now with the potential to be like really, really good on his day. Top tw- top 25 then? Yeah, like at the back of that top 25. But yeah, like 25 to 30-ish. I definitely think Chris Mueller on form is like he would be a quite different rating than like Chris Mueller if we kind of look at his whole career and and if he's been able to do it. Or not his whole career, but like just the consistency, well, maybe well, even like the past season. On form, Chris Mueller is like 1.5 yeah. goal contributions per 90. Yeah, so he's which like... Is, that's all-star there. caliber. That's yeah. best 11. Definitely, definitely. All yeah. right. Um, Chase, Dom Dwyer. You're on mute. Shoot, I took myself from you. No, no that um, was just his rating for Dom Dwyer. Yeah, <laughs> he leaves me speechless. Um, God, I don't know, dude. He he's he's had like one goal contribution in like this past like six or seven games, I believe. And I don't know, I'll maybe go like top fifty or something like that, just because he's our second striker right now, and I don't particularly think that our our first striker is even top. 25 you know what i'm saying like tesha's a good player but I, I don't know if i would put him anywhere near like a top 15 top 20 even and and dom is significantly like he's a significant downgrade to tesha so i would definitely say like top 50 almost at the point where it's not even worth kind of bringing up his name in, the, in these types of conversations just because he's kind of far behind uh even like the average striker in the league in my opinion well, don't forget there's only like 26 teams in the league yeah, but, but that's saying people. that there are two strikers on almost every team that are better than him. Dog, I would not be surprised. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are some teams that that's have harsh, backup yeah. strikers. Like over at Portland, they've got Avobase and he's Goda, and um, the the Mexican striker they just got, I think his name's Mora or something, who is average. Um, and you can go around the league, and yeah, you can find some backup teams with backup strikers that are great. But I mean, I think top fifty is harsh. I would, I was thinking top thirty, top. 35 i don't know man. i mean i mean this is all kind of arbitrary like like i like this discussion and it but it's all like a bit of a guesstimate like i can't maybe name you 50 strikers that are better than him but just my gut tells me like like someone who contributes so little into an attack like like i would rather have like i don't know um 
You know, New York have a couple like good young strikers. I would rather just have one of them over Don. Like even and like like Mason Toy even kind of fell down to like third choice in this tournament. And I would definitely probably rather have Mason Toy, you know. So I remember there being a discussion where it was Zardes versus Dwyer, and a lot of people were saying Dwyer because of how bad Zardes was against us. I mean, he was horrible against us, but I mean when at was the it? moment. This was uh when we faced Columbus last year and Zardes missed like three or four sitters. Um, but at the moment, I'd 100% take Zardes over Dwyer. I, yeah, I would bite your hand off for Jackson Zardes right now. He had a pretty... Specifically pretty Gavin's hand. Yeah. <laughs> You'll sacrifice Gavin's hand for, for Columbus form Jassy Zardes on All Orlando City. Can we just sacrifice, sacrifice Gavin altogether just for... <laughs> I mean, listen, the Illuminati like stuff like that. So maybe we can... Can, what uh, did I do to deserve this treat? The Illuminati are heavily hey, Gavin, Apparently your hand is worth a striker. <laughs> no, I said Gavin as a whole. We've got to be generous to them as well. Oh, I, uh, I, I was trying to strike a deal here. I'm not doing deals. It's Gavin Adam's goes. on my side. No, we yeah, I only want to chop off your hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, hear, let's chop off both of you. <laughs> let's do both. Because if we do both, we might get, get some nighttime money as well. You know? All right, Daniel, I hope you're this mean to Tesho. That's how we get the podcast money. <laughs> There's no money coming into this podcast. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. Daniel, Tesho. I'd rather have Gavin with no legs than Tesho. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I like, I actually, I like, I like Tesho Akadeli. I think he's a, I think he's a very underrated player. I mean, I'd probably put him in like the top 20. Yeah, maybe like the top 20, like given Gavin's, very fair logic that you know there's only 26 teams and there's a couple of strikers in each. I feel I feel Tesho is a good spot for the top 20. I mean he's he was in a fairly poor side last year, got quite a lot of goals. Um, he shows for the ball. He he does try and get himself involved. Um, there's certainly worse players we could have, and right now on our roster he's he's our number one. So yeah, top 20 for me. Um, I'd be fairly comfortable putting him there. All right. And Adam, another easy one for you, Luis, Luis Nani. Nani. I, out of wingers, probably top 10. I don't think he's top five just because he can't. I, we've, we've talked about he plays 90, but does he really play 90? Uh, I, Luis, I think last year's version of Nani is, was top five, but I, I think he's starting to show his age a little bit, and that's just natural. It comes for everyone. And so he's still top 10. Like he's still contributing in big moments. He's still showing up when you want him to show up. He's just not the, the dynamic player you run every single attack through like other teams um, have in their like DP wingers. So uh, yeah, I think top 10, but like very solidly. So like some are like six, seven, eight, you know, I think that's fair for Nani. Yeah, I think that's fair as well. Uh, do any of you have any last mentions you want to talk about about the Minnesota match? Or are we good to go? I think we're all good. Yeah. All right. Uh, please don't hesitate to let us know your thoughts on the uh, upcoming Minnesota match. Please don't hesitate to let us know your predictions as well. Uh, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Do the survey link to the description, please. Takes five seconds, people. Only have two respondents still. It's ridiculous. Uh, Daniel, where can our listeners find you at? On Twitter, it's Bucketman1982 and Instagram, ellenrodo82. Chase? Uh, Twitter, Vamos, OCSC, and Instagram, Chase W. Crowley. You mean at Rodrigo Schlegel? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Bro, you look just <laughs> like him. 
it's yeah, what was that? And his friend is is Mauricio Pereira. Yeah, well, there's that dodgy picture that we saw the other day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which looks really, really like, conspicuous. He looks he looks more like Mauricio than you look like Rodrigo. Who looks more like Mauricio? That the guy, your friend in the picture, he looks more like Mauricio Pereira than you look like Rodrigo. Schreiber. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Chase, you have to say it's like looking in a mirror. That picture. I cut I cut my boy band here because I don't have that going on. <laughs> mm, all right, fair enough. And Adam, <laughs> where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kosher Taco Truck. All right, guys. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Quickly here, Nani gets in behind. Here's Nani with a chip. It's 1-1. One, one.